Well, according to Kaiser, coffee is clear liquid. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. It's Tuesday. And we're recording today because... Well, we're going to run on Global Running Day. That's right. So that's exciting. And now we can see if our theory holds up because Megan and David record on Tuesdays. And somehow every week we're synced up with each other. And it's as if, you know, as if we've listened to them before we have, which we haven't. No. And somehow, yeah. So we're like, okay, guys, what's going on? We're always on the same wavelength. We're always talking about the same topics. And it's really crazy because it will be like we have already recorded and then we listen. And yeah, so. And then it just weirdly matches up. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see how it all works out. And yeah. Oh, we should introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah, we should. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. And we're the Run Galloway Girls. And we are coming at you to talk about running and have some fun and talk about friendship and talk about having fun while you run. (laughs) And I'll probably talk about my surgery, Yeah, which is happening today. Um, So yeah, we're super excited to uh, record this podcast. Yeah, I think we're at episode 28 or something, which is amazing. And we had zero technical difficulties this morning, so <laughs> knock on wood, because yeah. uh, let me tell you, every other week we've had issues where a mic doesn't work, we can't get a because mic. Because it was on mute. <laughs> we can't get a mic stand to work, we can't, we have a dog barking, she's here, she's chilling, she's figured it out, she's like, oh, I got this, we lay down and record in the studio, okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, this is uh, pretty incredible that we're already like up and recording just like five minutes into being ready. So yeah. yay. Um, so we have some things prepared. Yeah. And then we have some other things that we'll probably just talk about on the fly. Most importantly, I want to talk about how the marathon is not the only distance out there. Mm-hmm. And every other distance deserves some freaking respect. Oh yeah. Big Especially time. the 5K. Let's Stop saying just a 5K and let's give some freaking respect to how hard it is to run a 5K. I'm going to say under 30 minutes. Yeah. And I would say most, yeah, most like serious runners do think the 5K is harder than the marathon. A lot of people, yeah. It's hard to run a 5K under 30 minutes. So if you're not under 30 minutes yet, like it's hard. Make that your goal. It's hard to run a 5K under 28 minutes. Yeah. If you're not, like, it's hard to run under 26 minutes. (laughs) It's hard to run under 24 minutes. It's hard to run under 23 minutes. We've both run under 23. Have you run under Mm -hmm. 22? Not yet. Right. Low 22s. Yeah. And so you, we have to give credit to the 5K and just because, and if you're trying to get faster in the 5K, unfortunately... It deserves a little bit of attention, too. If you really want to get faster in the 5K, you've got to focus on it a little bit. Yeah, focus on speed. Now, if you are training, you may find that if you jump into a 5K, you've improved your time. But that might not happen, too. If you're focused on the half or the full, you may only improve by a minute or two, Mm -hmm. or you might have a really out of, like, touch measure of your fitness mm-hmm. from your most previous from your most recent 5k like I know when I was um first running and I kind of like did a season of 5ks and I was really focused on breaking 25 minutes um that next cycle when I did my very first half I was under two hours which those are in alignment yeah you know and so like that's the other thing your times are going to be in alignment so um, I mean, what's cool, the 5K is so accessible, and that's why it's it's so commonly, like, you know, everyone can, can do it at some point. Everyone can get into it. But um, the reality is, yeah, if you're actually training for a 5K, that's a whole different ballpark. I know I actually have never done a season of just training for 5Ks. I've yeah. only ever jumped into them and, you know, had amazing breakthroughs yeah. in time. Or at least it seemed like it, but I was always in full marathon training at yeah. the time, or it was just off the heels of a full marathon cycle, like two, three weeks after my my big marathon. Right. And and you are going to get some improvement, but like if you want to, like you probably have the ability, like at the time that you ran your low 22s, you probably with a little bit specific training could probably get down into the, I mean, possibly even breaking 20. Like 
like that is definitely in the realm of possibility. Yeah. But it's not going to happen when you're running long runs right. of 15 miles plus on the weekends. When you're training for a 5K, your long runs on the weekends, they are going to be capped at about eight miles. Like yeah. you don't need to run. Th- and now you're, st- you are still going to do long, slow distance. You're still going to do aerobic base work. You're just going to do speed work that is so much more intense than marathon training could ever be um, because it has to be so much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So to put it in perspective, when I was running 25, like trying to break 25, the repeat pace and 25 is what, around an eight flat? It's, like yep, it's not it's just even, about an eight flat. Yeah, it's not even that fast. So the 400 repeat pace was 144. For 400. What's that times four? That's, That's a, like six something. Uh, Isn't it? Is it? Or is it a little slower? It's seven, seven something. Flat. Yeah. It's seven flat. Because 130 That's, would be six. It's Yeah, it's seven flat. I think you're right. It's seven flat, but that's Mm -hmm. a whole minute per mile faster of running Mm -hmm. than the goal pace. Like, that's just like in the marathon, the whole minute per mile, or it's actually only 30 seconds per mile on those mile repeats. So, like, that's incredibly fast. That's a lot of work. It is. So, it is definitely worth the attention. Now, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be running that whole minute. So, Okay, let's put this in per- into perspective. And you want to do a marathon, okay? And you are also trying to get some 5K speed at the same time. So you're running a minute per mile faster than your 5K goal pace for some of your work. And then you've also got to figure out that pace work that's 30 seconds per mile faster than your goal marathon pace. You are going to end up freaking injured. <laughs> it's like, also so hard because you sort of get into, we did this season, get into a, I don't want to call it a rut because it's not a rut. A you get into a zone. groove, a pace, a pace zone. zone where these are the zones, you know, this is where you end up hitting every time. And so if you try to go much faster or slower, yeah, something is always going to be off on that. It's going to be hard to drive both of those at once. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, that's when like your injuries, your uh, exhausted quads kind of popped up. Mm -hmm. Once we got into that running, that pace with those super short intervals, that was way faster than we would need during a marathon. Like that's exactly what happened. We started (laughs) running 620 and your body was like, nope. No, that six twenty would be a would be great training for seven twenty five k. Exactly, I was so, gonna say that would be excellent for yeah breaking down yeah. the shorter distances. Yeah, so I say this because this is a conversation I had over text with Sarah about what kind of goals to set, and she's very she's still thinking like oh a half, and I think for her goals for her time goals in the in the half and in the full. She will be better served trying to break 26.30 or even go sub 26 in the 5K before um, even attempting another half marathon. I think mm-hmm. it's just going to you know, be a one to two minute drop that's not really going to translate into a faster marathon the next marathon cycle, whereas I think a season of fast 5Ks is going to translate to like being able to do a base half marathon build and see massive improvement instead of having to do a lot of work during the half marathon build. Yeah, it also depends on what you've been doing. So if yeah. you, like Sarah and like us, have been doing a lot of, of longer and base. It sets you it's, up it's for a great, great 5K exactly. season. But it, and it's also great to completely shake things up and switch it up, you know, throw away how you've been training because you've just been, we've been, you know, oh, we're so used to these longer distances. It doesn't, yeah we're just, it's like, we're, you know, not humbled by it that much anymore. We're just totally like, oh yeah, let's go run 20 miles today. It's no problem. But um, what's cool about it is when you have seasons and cycles of running those 20 miles, like taking, you're not taking six months off to roll out that like at all, focusing on the 5K and getting faster for a season, even if you're not doing a marathon or a full, is still running and it's still training. And when you come back into running 
that half marathon or that full marathon, you can be so fast mm-hmm. right away. And and you only need, and we've we've shown for a half marathon build, you only need eight weeks. You could probably even with a great 5K cycle, jump into a half marathon six weeks later and see massive improvement in the half just by adding the distance, backing off on the speed work, adding the long runs. And you can kind of show up and and get that result of a faster of a PR. Yeah. Like, so that's the other benefit is like, you don't need to do the focus training for the half because you've done all this massive focus speed work training. And I think when I say focus on the 5k, I think that also means you can jump into a 10k here and there. You can jump into an 8k. I think kind of anything under an hour. Right, right. It's that like there's a difference between those one one and a half and up hour distances, the ten miler and up, yeah. versus those shorter where you know they translate a lot better and it keeps you in that same range. So and what's cool is you can race like every three to five days. Yeah, not every three to five <laughs> no. days. Every two to three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> every three to five days. So I actually did do a cycle where I ran a half marathon every weekend, and yeah. I did no other running. Yeah, I just raced half marathons every weekend. I raced. Yeah. And I raced hard. <laughs> and I did actually see improvement when I did that, but I needed five days off to recover. Yeah, so you just didn't run during the weeks. Nope. Basically. Yeah. Yep. Well, and what's also, you know, about that 10K, just be careful if you do what I did, which is you you go out and you PR the 5K for the first part of the oh, 10K. Oh, no, that's the best I've way totally to run a 10K. That, that is actually... Oh, it's terrible. It's so painful. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But I think when you're still learning, when you are still... When you yeah. have no concept of how fast you are or how fast you can run or what mm-hmm. you're capable of, I still think I, it does not work in the half and it does not work in the full and it doesn't work in the 10 mile. Mm, but it no. does, I think, up to the 10K work Go out hard and try to hold on as long as you can. Um, even sometimes in the 5K, that's a good. Yeah. Oh, I still had a, wa- a walk on my watch. <laughs> nice. It's a good. Um, it's a good way to to practice, and that's also something cool that you can do during a 5K season. Okay, one of them. Go out hard, go out as hard as you can, and hold on, right? Mm-hmm. The next one, okay, let's go out at this prescribed pace and then try to build through. Okay, what were the differences? How did you feel right. in each one? Did you have a better kick, you know, during during the one where you built? Like, you get to learn how you like to race. Yeah. So. Yeah, and oh, and you still should be practicing fueling. You may not, Absolutely. you might not be fueling during your five k, but you're definitely fueling before it. You're definitely yeah. fueling after it. I gotta tell you, I like eating during races, oh, well, even five yeah. k's. I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I know that maybe not for everyone. Yeah. You might not think to fuel during, but definitely you're fueling. You know, right before, if you're yeah. going, you're not going. This is not like an unfueled thing. Just because it's short doesn't mean that you don't need fuel. So right. Oh, and especially, especially before, um, definitely need something. Naomi has her cookies here. I can't eat today though because I I'm know. having surgery. So um, I'm even like feeling a little guilty about my coffee. So I'm probably not going to finish it. But <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in just case. in case, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So, um, so that's just a little bit about the five k. Um, we'll definitely post some um, information, some plans. Maybe, yeah, some say some training plans. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Galloway's five k ten k running book is the book that got me into running. It it has fantastic like. Just like the Boston How to Qualify book has time goal training it's plans. Awesome. Yeah. And so that's every time, it's every a pace. great way to like, I mean, that's really what I'm gonna come back to to like, you know, think about running like fast 5Ks and really work on that speed because I think I think focusing on speed is just going to make me a stronger marathoner yeah. in the long run. So Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And it'll be good to to shake it up for a season. Yeah. So The other benefit of focusing on the 5K and focusing on speed work is it's a lot easier to run 400s in the heat than it yes. is to run miles in the heat. Yeah. Because 400s are just one time around the track <laughs> versus... Multiple versus and, four times yeah. around a track, and the total time that we need yeah. is shorter if we're going to the track yeah. and working out for you know an hour total instead of three hours at the and track. It, so, and like like we said, it doesn't mean that you can't do still do an eight mile run. 
I mean, I remember my 400 repeats workouts being six to seven miles and then my long run on the weekend being eight to nine miles. Like, so it's still like a decent amount of miles. I want to say I was still close to that, you know, 15 to 18 miles a week doing three runs. Yeah. So, I mean, I never hit a hundred mile months. Um, I think we'd be, I think we'll, marathon training, we'll be like 20 to 25 miles a week with our 5k training. Oh, absolutely. So we'll Um, be at hundred, but also don't worry about your mileage because there's other ways to get low aerobic base. And we have really, um, figured out that biking is a great way to, to get that. I am like so excited about the, you know, getting on my bike and feeling like I really do feel different muscle groups working Yeah, because I know because my, I still have an adductor thing going on if I run when I run. Yeah. And so it's so awesome to feel my quads and my calves working okay. on the bike without feeling like I'm hitting those same muscles that I've aggravated. Yeah, that's so great. It's, I'm so excited to be like, this will translate to coming back and being fitter and stronger for running. I'm, I'm yeah. like so confident that it's going to be, Plus it's, it's going to make fun. me stronger and it's fun. it's fun. It feels like I, play. I didn't expect, so over the weekend, Naomi and I ran or did a bike ride and then I got home and I ate something and then Brian was like, well, I waited for you to go on another bike ride. So I went on a mountain bike ride (laughs) afterwards. So it ended up being quite a lot of distance, but that's the other thing is you're able to be out there for so long if you are kind of an endurance junkie without risking anything, right? Yeah, other um, than potentially, I mean, you're risking a crash on a bike. There are, there could be more severe injuries. <laughs> reading reading Good for a Girl, which we're going to talk about today, yes. and she mentions when Jesse broke his neck in a bike accident. I'm oh, like, my, oh my God. But, um, but yeah, you have this, it's the motion is different, and so, and you don't necessarily get into your higher heart rates as much or as yeah. long, and so it is a, it's a great low aerobic base builder. and It pushed me into productive. Finally, oh, from maintaining that's the awesome. second bike ride. Yeah, mine's still maintaining. So, but, but it was it was like that second bike ride was yeah. it, it like pushed me into productive. Oh, cool! So. I'm excited about it. Yeah, definitely. Me too. I we should have my other mountain bike tuned up too. So I'm excited to take you on the mountain bike. Yeah, ride. we did this one that was basically like um, it was really cool. Like we went through the mountain bike trails in Lake Fairfax Park, and they were like, "Well, why don't we do this little ride?" and the guy at the bike lane called it the Dorito ride because it's shaped like a Dorito. <laughs> but there was there was, was like fun. three or four little sections where you had to go over roots and rocks. But for the most part, it was like it was like single track, yeah. but like flat. Yeah, so you went on the CCT, on right? Dirt. Part yes. of it was CCT. That's awesome. I'm excited so to try that. It's not scary. It's right. It's like not as technical. Up and down through creeks and things yeah, like that. Yeah, because Lake Fairfax so. Park can be so technical. So yeah. yeah, I am that's you know, I'm still definitely like I still feel the jitters getting on my bike. I feel the I got on my bike with the clips, my clipless yeah, paddles yesterday. So and it was great. Like I'm I was moving isn't pretty it, fast. Isn't it awesome? Doesn't it like change it like to be able to it pull? It didn't feel like too different because those other pedals were pretty great because they would grip yeah, my shoes. Yeah, they're pretty but, grippy. But I was going faster. I was averaging faster and um, you know, and hitting faster, <laughs> faster speed. So, uh, oh, it was, it I'm was not going to be able to keep up with Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually lead and I feel like I'm going really fast and then I look back and she's right on my wheel. I'm like, oh, okay. I feel like sometimes I'm braking and I'm like, I don't want to, you know, get too close, but well, I, it's going to be so great. I just like try to chill. Like, oh yeah. I like the don't I'm not push. trying to, no, no, I'm just <laughs> pedaling I, easy. I like, you know, I've got like you just kept saying you were slow on the bike or easy on gentle on the bike. Oh, so you're worried and I'm like, to like I like didn't want to I don't no. want to like go too fast. But I also don't like to go too fast. I, I yeah, that's I where I'm slow. It's because I don't want to go I don't want to get going too fast where I can't stop. That's the yeah, reason I'm slow. I start to feel like just a little like I don't like it after about twenty miles per hour on right. anything. Like on the electric scooters, I don't like when they go downhill really fast. Like I'm just I don't like that fast feeling. Oh, yeah. No, I just, that's when my, like, little bit of panic sits in. So I, yeah. Yeah. So, but, I mean, maybe we'll get used to it a little bit more. Yeah. We We get a little more confident. So, so it's so fun. So, you know, if you're listening out there and you don't have a bike, you should try to get a bike. Um, Go to a bike store. Uh, I would, so last week I said I wouldn't buy a used bike. I'm going to recant that a little bit. If you 
really know the person or from a reputable bike store, you could buy where they've tuned bike. it up. Yeah. That's a good point. Just maybe not the Craigslist ones. Yeah. Or the Facebook marketplace. Unless, unless you have a friend who's like a super bike person, then they can check it out for you. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend, Mahesh, and he buys used bikes because he He can tune like, them up and replace a lot t- of the parts. Yeah. yeah. So, That's the other thing is like if you're just buying when you don't know what you're getting and I don't know. I also feel like a lot of... If Scott was ever to sell a bike, like I would feel pretty comfortable. If like it was a guy, a person like that, That like you you meet them and you're like, oh, this is a bike nerd. Okay. I can buy this bike. (laughs) He's done that. He bought one and sold it. Uh, Yeah. But um, Mahesh like bought like last year about the rail, which is the e-mountain bike. It's an electric assist mountain bike. And the, it was the only one out there. And so it's kind of heavy and it's got a lot of assist, which but it's amazing. And then there's a new one that just came out that's lighter and it's got a smaller battery. And so it's a little bit less, it offers less assist, but it's lighter. But it still has like the battery to have the assist. And so he's going to sell the rail and update to the new, yeah. it's a Fuel EXE. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fuel is like a mountain bike like line of hold on I know what it is it's an in I think it's an enduro no it's not it's a cross country so all mountain bikes have different like geometries uh-huh. and you've got a hardtail one which is what I ride which doesn't have shocks on the back and then you've got full suspension mountain bikes that are set up to go kind of all mountain, which is everywhere. And then you've got ones that are enduro, which are like set up to where they can go cross country, but they also go downhill really well. And then you have downhill bikes and downhill bikes, like the wheels are like way out in front. I just ride a hardtail everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, we're, you know, we're recreational yeah, <laughs> riders. But I've learned all <laughs> so. about them because Brian is like Obsessed, super into mountain which biking. Which is cool. And he like, we were talking about, oh, last night. So we were talking about if we won the lottery. Mm-hmm. If you won the lottery, what would you buy right away? Oh my gosh. I don't know. Okay. I haven't thought about so it yet. So we were like, we're like, okay, we're going to buy a bigger house. Like that's yeah. the first thing we're going to buy. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to buy. And it was like something... It's something really cheap. It wasn't. It was Aww. like it's like a, a thousand dollars. Oh, a two rock amplifier, Aww. which is like four grand. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, what would I buy? What would I buy? I'm like, well, I would donate enough money to give my teachers like a like a two thousand dollar bonus, like after taxes. Nice. Like it's enough money for them to feel appreciated, but not so much that they'd quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And, and then I'm like, I don't really know what I would buy. Oh, I might buy, oh, I'd buy a pair of endorphin elites. Yeah. <laughs> Some shoes. Yeah. I mean, I we mean, don't dream that big. Yeah. Because I know the first thing I thought was, was pay off my house, which is kind of like not right. the most exciting right. thing. Right. <laughs> we, we were going we to buy this. Like, we, I went on Redfin and I found the house Aww, that I'd buy. It's yeah. like Quartermaster and yeah. on the lake. Oh, I love it's that 1. area. It's 1.3 million. Yeah. Like, it's, Perfect. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's still in Ruston, though. It's not like I'm going anywhere fancy. You can still dream. <laughs> Just dream local. <laughs> yeah, dream local. <laughs> That's just Stream yeah. <laughs> local. Yeah. Shop local. Hashtag Reston. Mm. <laughs> oh, that is actually a really good Reston yeah. shirt. We could like you can sell it to the RA. Mm-hmm. Or sell it to like sell it like at the brew house. Yeah. Or like at like a dream local. <laughs> Hashtag Reston. Oh man, uh, that's so funny. Um Harvest was the store in Reston and it, they used to have a shirt that says, I'm not sleeping, I'm just resting. Oh, cute. Yeah. And then they had like the like the similar like um uh letter uh, font as nine oh two one oh and they had so our, our zip code is 20191 or 20190, but it used to be different. It used to be, I can't even remember what it was. Anyway, it had like the zip code and it looked like the Beverly Hills That's 90210, cute. but it said Reston, Virginia. That's fun. Yeah. Speaking very, of merch, we're wearing a couple of our shirts. If you're on yep. watch us on YouTube, um, we're going to hopefully get some pre-orders yeah. up at some point. We got to get some pre-orders yeah. up. But I we do have some um, direct 
to print ones if you want to check out and support us. RunGalleyGirls.com slash shop. And I think I've learned I need to, like, really, like, iron them a little bit more because they're... My race team one is peeled up. I have to go fix it. You know what it is? It's that um, that's the stretch vinyl. Ah, I always have that issue with the stretch vinyl, so I need to just stop buying the stretch vinyl. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, so a little bit about the 5K. I should probably mention, so my surgery, I'm having an operative hysteroscopy with a polypectomy t- today. I almost said tomorrow, today. Um, I've had a, two hysteroscopies before. What that is is they go into my uterus and they're going to clean it out because I have polyps. And the idea is that probably the polyps prevent the implantation of an embryo. And so they definitely want to do it before. But some some women have polyps and they still get pregnant naturally. Right. So, so they want to do it before we do our transfer and head into our IVF cycle. So... That was a surprise that I found out last week, yeah. although I should have been prepared for it because once you have them once, like, they come back. So How are you feeling about surgery? I'm nervous. Are you? <laughs> I'm nervous, yeah. which is funny because I love going under anesthesia, and so it's, like, funny that, like, I'm nervous about this because I've gone under, let's see, since last year, I've gone under for five IVF cycles for... PRP and to have two teeth removed. Oh my gosh. So seven times I've yeah. gone under anesthesia. Yeah. Like in the last 12 months. Right. Well, that's <laughs> crazy. Oh my gosh. I've only gone under under general anesthesia like once in my life, probably. And yeah. it's usually just local. So oh yeah. my gosh. So I went under like it's like twilight, like because they, they put me under for my teeth too. Yeah. Like you wake up really fast. And then I've got like in my life I've gone under a bunch of times because yeah. I went under for like my my tonsils my wisdom yeah teeth, your other surgeries my you know what though when I had my knee surgeries they just did um, a spinal did they okay I wanted to watch yeah. the surgeries yeah so <laughs> yeah I know it's pretty it's pretty fun so I watched well, my knee surgeries so hopefully it'll be yeah it'll pain be free quick. and quick it'll be a and good nap it'll be set I'm, on your way and like I think I'll be okay like I ran after no maybe I didn't I I definitely worked and was up and around after that day. the last one yeah we'll um, take so it by, I'm, play I'm by hoping ear to be week. able to run um, tomorrow because it's World Running Day, Global Running Day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll definitely, I mean, run. And even we'll, if it's just like a 1530. Yeah, like, we'll figure out, you know, yeah. what you can do. And yeah, it's all for good reason. So, um, yeah, let's jump to this. Is this. Cool. So, so um, yeah, I'm reading Good for a Girl, Lauren Fleshman's book, and like but it made a notebook. Oh, I know. If so, if you have um, if you have it on your Kindle, which is how I have it, um, you can actually download the Kindle app and share your annotations when you make when you highlight pages in a Kindle. Uh-huh. I before I did was like, how do I go back and see those other than on my Kindle? And you can actually download the Kindle app and then share them. You can you know basically email them or share them anywhere, and it takes you to all of your like notes, which is so cool. That so that is very, very and cool. And I think I sent some more this morning, but I don't know if they went through. But so really what what the first half of the book has been um this huge, you know, the information that she's gotten there about her personal experience, but also in general about, you know, mostly about really the the culture around women and athletics and I mean it's it's women you know, in general, obviously, like we're all being trained um, from a young age to want to be smaller um, oh, and yeah. be, you know, and be thinner and not eat as much and not take up too much space. And what, you know, what occurs though in, in the sport is, you know, from starting from high school, she has, you know, seen it around her and especially in college at Stanford, although at Stanford compared to other schools, not quite as bad that culture, but um, you know, this diet culture of, you know, making sure you're at your race weight. And, um, and then in, you know, she actually, when she goes to turn pro and Lauren Fleshman is, she held the 5k record. Um, you know, she's, she's a world class runner, even though she doubted herself quite a bit, but when she went to go pro right after college, she ended up, um, you know, trying to get back to that racing weight. Cause she, she just, everywhere she was seeing, she was not as small as like the Kenyan runner. She's five, eight. She wasn't as, as light, you know, and she saw that Paula Radcliffe was about 10 pounds lighter and the same size as her and, yeah. you know, with the marathon world record and decided that 
you know, oh, she should go for um, go for that weight, and she ends up with a stress reaction that then turns into a complete fracture. Even though she gets off of it, she doesn't run for four weeks to uh-huh. try to qualify for the Olympics again, and she um, and it fractured anyway, even though she was only pool running. And so her wow. body was in such a depleted state by like losing that weight. And so there's some awesome quotes in in here that I I highlighted. Um, where, you know, some that were her, just what she was noticing around her. And so, you know, I don't know if I can grab one of them, but. Well, I mean, I remember actually reading in runner's world, in runner's world, when I very first started training, I remember reading that you are, and this is a trigger warning, warning before I say this, because this is not true. Um, that you are two seconds per mile faster for every pound you lose. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you personally, it's not true. I was not faster at 121 pounds than I was at 132 pounds. I was faster at 132 pounds. So, I mean, like, it's it's just not true. At 121 pounds, I was under-fueled and under-fed. And, you know, I'm, yes, I'm not as fast right now at 152 pounds. But, like, that's what I, like, that's what I weigh right now. And I'm not going to try to change it. I'm, you know, if it changes while I'm while I'm fueling and while I'm training, great. It, but if it doesn't, I'm learning to love the body that I'm in now, and I'm gonna do speed work when I can, um, with you know focusing on my fertility. But you know that was the thing that most of the doctors said to me was like gain a little bit of weight because you don't know if you know I'm five eight, so. Even 132 pounds is rather, rather lean and rather late. So, yeah. And um, that was one thing she mentioned too is that there weren't examples and there still probably aren't a ton of examples. They're coming out now as these, as, as, um, you know, Shalane and Lauren and all these other athletes start to talk about their own experience and Kara. Um, there were not examples of runners who were racing at these different weights throughout their own careers. And if you looked up the stats on a runner like Paula Radcliffe, you're seeing p- potentially a time at their leanest, a time when maybe they had, you know, yeah, they raced great at that. And then they had a period of a injuries. bunch of injuries and issues mm-hmm. because of their low energy availability. And so, um, and at the time they were, you know, this was, you know, 20 years ago when she was in college, we're talking about calling it the female triad. Yeah. Um, but now it's called, you know, red S. And so. And I think that there are eight. There are way more than three things in red ass, and the the redefinition was really important because not all women get, and obviously zero men, get amenorrhea when they are in low energy availability or in relative energy deficiency in sport. Yeah. I actually had a male swimmer not performing the way that he should have been performing. He was really lean. He was 18 years old. I'd been training him since, uh, and training, I've been around his training since he was about 14. And he was on a different team with me um, where I was coaching, and I had seen his progression. And then I had seen him at 18 and 19. He'd come over to the, because in the Y League, if you're not in college, if you're not, sorry, if you're not on a college team, you can actually still compete in the Y League because the Y League is um, 15 to 21. It's not 15 to 18. So he was still competing with us. And he was um, just really lean. And we started to talk about his food. And he was so obsessed with eating healthy foods Mm -hmm. that he was not eating enough calories for his training. He should have, like we had, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old college kids who were two years younger than, or high school kids, two years younger that had a lot more muscle mass because they weren't focused on the cleanliness of the food they were eating. Right. So doing the same training as he was, and he just wasn't eating enough calories. So yeah, there's, here's a good breakdown. Um, 
of when, you know, so here, I'll just read her quote, but perfect. my intuition at the time was correct. It would take 10 more years, but a consensus paper published by the IOC, International Olympic Committee, in 2014 to update the 2005 statement on the female athlete triad would introduce the world to rad ass, which is defined as, quote, impaired physiological functioning caused by relative energy deficiency, end quote, and includes but is not limited to impairments of metabolic rate, menstrual function, bone health, immunity, protein synthesis, and cardiovascular health. The underlying cause of red S is low energy availability. In other words, the gas isn't in the tank when you need it. The deficit could be the result of constant or consistent diet restriction, but could also arise more innocently. Poor meal timing that prolongs the state of post-workout depletion in order to adhere to standard cultural meal times. Increasing training loads without increasing energy intake. Underestimation of the energy demands of cross-training or limitation of nutrition out of a fear of gaining weight while injured. I likely developed red ass with a mixture of all of the above. So this came right on the heels of, like I said, she had, she was working to qualify for the Olympics. She was, you know, this was when she went pro with, with Nike at that time, she went, um, she had this stress reaction, which, you know, at first it was just like, she was running on the track and it felt like there was a rock in her shoe. She took out, she couldn't find this rock. They went and looked at it on an MRI. They saw the tiniest little bit of, okay, there's a reaction about to happen. We've caught it early. Let's, you're going to get off your foot completely. Do not put, you know, she, she did no weight bearing at all. She was crutching around. She went to the pool and was doing pool running for four weeks. And then it turned out that she had this huge fracture that now they saw on an x-ray, not just an MRI, because most likely she was under fueling for the cross training. She thought the pool running, it's like when we're, you know, jumping on the bike right now. Oh, we're not, you know, I'm not, oh, I'm not burning as high. And I looked yesterday though, my bike ride yesterday, I burned 658 calories or whatever Garmin thinks I burned. I didn't, I don't really look into it, but I probably didn't come home and eat as if I had Mm -hmm. burned that many calories. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's where, like, walking in the door and getting a protein shake, walking in the door right. from activity and grabbing, you know, even if it's even if it's just a small amount, 250 calories of something is better than, like, waiting for culturally appropriate meal oh, time. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's one of the reasons why I think about Scott and I think about Brian and when they end their bike rides at the bike lane yeah. or when we were ending our runs at Starbucks. Right. We were possibly staving off low energy availability by immediately rewarding that run with some calories. And we don't yeah. do that as much, you know, mostly because we enjoy our coffee at home and we have other things like, but I'm starting to think like, okay, I really need to make a more concerted effort to mix up that protein shake, possibly even prep it before yes. I leave. Stick it in the fridge. Even if it's, well, even if I don't fully mix it, like just have literally put the powder in the shaker bottle so that all I have to yeah. do is add the water and shake it No, up. I 100% like, made that mistake yesterday because I went straight from the bike ride to um, my daughter's school. She had like mm-hmm. a poetry reading. They had, it was their, you know, they had all written poems and- then I got home and got online, got on work, you know, and I was, and I was like, I need to go eat, but I also need to get a bunch of work done. Mm-hmm. And so I pushed off eating. And then when I read this last night, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can see exactly how that slippery yeah. slope happens without, and also right now, because we're not in marathon training, I'm not, you know, cutting my calories, but I'm also being a little bit more mindful because I'm not eating, I'm not like eating like marathon training, but mm-hmm. I really need to not, I need to make sure I'm not cutting back yeah. Um, almost like don't even, almost just don't even be mindful. No, like, just intuitive eating. Just eat when you're hungry. Just eat what you want. But the thing, the problem with intuitive eating, and you have to go through a phase of like not even, okay, so one of the issues with intuitive eating, especially when you have a history of restriction, is that you think you're intuitively eating because you're honoring Oh, I eat what I want when I want, and right. I only eat when I'm hungry. But if you're really good at ignoring your hunger cues, you're not intuitively eating because you are still ignoring your hunger cues. Like when I was training for CIM and doing my fast fall, I would have told you I was intuitive eating. I was eating when I wanted, what I wanted. I was eating huge meals, but I wasn't fueling right after workouts. Well, that window. I wasn't fueling right before. I was 
eating things like chips and guacamole because that's what I want. Well, that's just what I want. But honestly, that probably wasn't enough calories at the time, right? Like, because so I had weird eating habits just because I had patterns that those were my weird eating habits. You know, oh, but this is normal for me. Well, right. it's still like I look back and I'm like, okay, just because it's normal for you to eat 400 calories of chips when you just got back from a run, like this is not the this is not the fuel that your body needs. So I don't know. I um I think that it is almost when you're recovering from having restricted at any point in the past, you almost have to kind of like go the the opposite way, but mm-hmm. tracking can be triggering. Oh, for so sure. So it's almost like you have to like say, you nope, this is time for a snack. No matter if you're hungry or not, it's time to eat it. Yeah. You know, because restricting can be such an easy thing to fall back on. Right. I know it is for me. Oh, it definitely is. And like that's what and what <laughs> Lauren Fleshman, what what was the down the uh killer was that she had moved in with this 83-year-old woman who was a, a, a former sports reporter, and she was eating what this 83-year-old woman ate because it was just easier to eat what she ate. And she saw it also as this, like, oh, I'm, you know, as she tracked, she had to track her nutrition as a pro athlete, but she saw it as like, oh, cool, I'm going to lose weight by doing this. And it only took six weeks. She lost however much weight. I don't know if it was 10 or 12 or whatever pounds that she thought she needed to lose to get to Paula Radcliffe's yeah. weight, which was again, way too low, mm-hmm. you know, for her. It just, it just wasn't a healthy weight. Obviously she ended up and developing red ass. Okay. And we're talking about, I believe these weights that we're talking about is five, eight women and around 120 pounds. Yeah. Because she like, went these from, are not, she had gained up to 135, which was still for five, eight, very, very lean. And yeah. these are not like intentional. No. These are not you know, reading in the magazine, Katie Holmes, 5'9", and 108 pounds. These are not 108. Like, these are still relatively what might be considered something. healthy, yeah. quote, healthy weights, but they're not. Like, no. they're just not. And it's, and what really, um, you know, is evident now, like, we're obviously well past this age, but that 18 to 22, and it's really up to 26, is that time frame in which, um, you know, a woman's body, obviously physically there's developments going on that for men, it's very different. They're hitting their peak during 18 to 22 years old. And for women, we're actually building our entire um, bone bank. So if you're restricting calories at all before the age of, you know, especially the age of up to 26, when women's endocrine systems are building that bone bank that we're going to draw from our entire lives, Mm -hmm. you're putting yourselves in a deficit for your entire life. So it might look like oh, you know, but I'm running faster at this time. So this is, you know, I don't know if we have any listeners out there that are in their early 20s, but probably have some people who are parents of, yeah. of people at that age. And it is so critical to um, to not restrict calories. And like, and to, and to have like open discussions with your kids about, about why, um, you know, about why we're trying to change the fact we're trying to change change the narrative the narrative around diet culture like right um you know i've heard it from you know small children they're worried about getting fat and they think mm-hmm. oh well i'll just eat less that is still what you know is going around in the elementary schools i you know i you know heard this one time um, that, you know, somebody, I can't remember if it was on the news or something, but it was basically that, oh, disordered eating could start as young as 10 years old. And I was like, it starts younger. Like I it remember does. at eight, I remember at eight already thinking about my size yeah. and my restriction of food. I mean, I started like not eating at 10. Yeah. So I did the same. I had like these weird things about food at, at eight and 10. And, and you said you've, You've talked to like first graders with yeah. who are already, you know, yeah. worrying about it and conscious about it. So it's it's definitely and happening with earlier. The introduction of salad bars at the school, the kids are choosing what they're eating and it's not and that's not a bad thing, but I'm sorry, hummus and vegetables is not a lunch. 
And like children need more to eat than hummus and vegetables. Yeah. No, if I if I order hummus, like we did at work the other day, I order um, two or three times the amount of pita to go with it. So I'm making sure I'm eating quite a bit. Oh, I had the hummus. Not just hummus and vegetables. It is hummus and cauliflower, gluten-free cauliflower pita at... Silver Diner, and Ooh, I ordered that yum. and a BLT. Yeah. So I had a whole appetizer to myself and a BLT. It was delicious. Yeah. I think what, you know, a lot of people aren't but realizing is, is that they're not, they're, you're not, it's like you're not getting enough and you're not realizing what you need. Um, yeah. And, even if you're tracking to some and extent. And I would say, I would say, um, as a runner, if your sleep is at all disrupted, if you are tired at all, if you feel like you're not sleeping well, if you get colds, lingering colds at all, these are three big indicators that you are possibly in low energy availability no matter what your size is. Yep. And increase your nutrition for a week and see if any of these things improve. Yeah, and the other big one is you, you know, you go to and do it, a workout or a race, you got that 5K and you fail to you know, you, you don't have any pep in your legs. You don't have any go. Yeah. You can't sustain the pace that you should be able to yeah. based on your training. And that's, you know, that's a big indicator is when you feel like you're feeling low, like you just don't, you, again, right. you don't have or the energy. If you're, or if you're like, you're dying 10 miles yes. into a half or yeah. 18 into a marathon, the wall with appropriate training, the wall should not be hitting you. If you are going out with appropriate training and appropriate pacing, you should not be hitting a wall if you are fueled correctly throughout your entire cycle. But, you know, and we've talked a little bit about gut training and trying to take more while we're actually running. Um, Part of it is also taking more fuel throughout the entire cycle to make sure that that you're actually building fitness and you're not just staying where you're not just right. holding off decline <laughs> because that's the other thing i think about sometimes is maybe maybe like in the past we could have been way faster if we had, were focused a little bit more on this piece of our training, right? Like, because we got fast. We were right. really great. But, you know, we also weren't really focused on the food side of it and the fuel side of it in a way that maybe we should have been. Or, yeah. you know, if we can mix the that now with aging athletes. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean... We do the age-adjusted calculations, yeah. and yeah. then we'll see, because now we are properly, or we're trying to properly fuel again. I'm still... I'll I still have into, days where I feel like I'm falling back. I fall into bad habits, too. Yeah. You know, I did, like, kind of see, like, you know, and, and I shared it on the podcast before. I Googled, like, how to lose weight and still train, and I was shocked that it was, like, 40 calories a day, and I'm like, how do you even calculate that. Right. Because again, there's these daily fluctuations because especially if you're marathon training or half marathon training, you're going to have deficits that you can't outrun that single day. So on Sunday, long run day, you may have a deficit of more than a thousand calories. You know, you may make up a lot of it on Monday, but um, you're always going to have deficits. So it's really hard to calculate like a tiny little deficit, like 40 calories. The other thing is, and Swap mentioned this, um, like conventional nutrition advice of like not drinking calories and not all like all of that. It's not for athletes. No. As an athlete, get some freaking juice. Come back like, okay, you don't want to eat right away. Drink a drink a 16 ounce apple juice and you get 280 calories right there. Gatorade is Um, awesome. Gatorade, but see, even Gatorade is low calorie in comparison. If you, oh, okay, yeah. And I was going to say some of them are lower than others. Eight ounces of Gatorade is 50 calories. Eight ounces of juice is 100 calories. Yeah. Or 90 calories or something. Something like that, yeah. So Gatorade is about half the calories. Soda. Soda is awesome. Yeah, we love soda. 150 calories and 12 ounces. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's where, like, not, not, like don't drink your calories as an athlete drink your calories yeah. go ahead yeah that because advice then, is not for for people who are moving because then if you do want vegetables and hummus as a snack because you like it not because it's health it's it's healthy Mm-mm. you are still getting adequate calories if you're having vegetables and hummus and water that snack is not 
And, you know, some people even say, oh, that's what I had for lunch because it's so healthy. And yes, there's great protein and fat and hummus. That's awesome. But pairing it with vegetables, like how, I don't even know what hummus is, but let's say you have <laughs> a lot of it. No, no, I mean, <laughs> oh, how many calories? <laughs> let's say you have a lot of it, like a big tub of it. It does not have a lot of protein either that's- by itself. But a big tub, I would imagine, is at most 500 it's, calories. Yeah, not so you even, eat the probably. the whole thing of hummus yeah. with carrots and cucumber, that's 500 calories. After a run or as an athlete, your meals need to be seven to 1,000 calories. Right. 700 to 1,000. Like, and I hate to get into the calorie, like, of how much things are, but pretty much if you're training for a if you're training for a marathon, if you're running 30 miles a week, probably, and you are, you know, at least 120 pounds, you probably need 3,500 calories a day. Yeah, actually, that's a perfect um, segue into this article that Stacey Sims posted, and she shared this study, which is actually a really great study to look at because it's pro soccer players or football players, but not pro or collegiate or anything runners, because we know runners, we know that there's this stigma about, or this like thought about racing weight and being leaner as being faster. But in soccer or football, you wouldn't necessarily think that you would think they would look at strength more than, um, being lean, right. To be a soccer player. But, um, so this study looked at pro female versus male soccer players, the males were getting, they did not have low energy availability on, on, you know, they were getting calories between three to 4,000 calories a day. They were getting what they needed for their training and for their, for their, you know, for their sport. The females, this was, this was like mind blowing to me. 88% of the females pro female soccer players had low energy availability. 88%. And these are pros. These are people who they know and they should be eating tons of calories. It's not like us recreational people who are still on this like weird, you know, edge of trying to like fit in culturally and whatever. They should be, their whole life is just eat, sleep, train, right? And they had, and 88% of the women were not getting enough calories for their daily needs. And so they were, because they had this mindset that they had to eat less, so they were eating less. They were eating, you know, 2,000 to 2,700, whatever it was. And okay, it was 2,700 on average with a range of 2,100 to 3,500. That's how many they're burning. burning. But I even think these calorie burns, I I have long suspected that the basal metabolic rate prediction, like calculator, and these calorie burns and calorie recommendations are far lower than the actuals that people actually burn. And they don't take into account the type of calorie because everybody's heard that celery is negative calories. It takes more <laughs> calories to burn to it. To digest it. Than, but that's actually not true. There's no such thing as negative calories. So ca- celery has five calories in it. But like, but in, in the course of an hour, if you eat some celery, you'll have burned. That's why right, it's negative. <laughs> right. But that's like, so there's a little bit of like, okay, we're not perfect machines and right. fuel goes in, fuel comes out, like it gets burned because our bodies are going to store fat during more, like during certain times because of our hormones. Yeah. So it's all about keeping that cortisol level down because when your cortisol is high, is higher, you're going to store more fat. What raises cortisol? Being stressed. Lack of sleep. What yeah, what yeah. does stress look like on oh, your body? Mm-hmm. Being tired, low energy availability. <laughs> so it's if, kinda like a catch twenty two yeah. of which one is causing chicken or the egg. So you are going to put on some like if you're in a state of low energy availability and you immediately start eating a little bit more, you may put on and you don't change your training. You're like, well, I'm gonna try to train through this. Um, you may put on some fat stores first as your body gets back into homeostasis. So, you know, and and that's the other thing. We need to normalize women having some fat on our right. bodies. Like we're supposed to. Um, we're supposed until you're postmenopausal, you should have some fat on your body, like because that's what's fueling your endocrine system. Yeah. And- um, so if you're like those super lean women, like, I mean, maybe that's why IVF is on the rise. I will say, like, uh, some of the, like, 
I have a friend who is actually my my Botox injector. We didn't go see her because she's out in Gainesville, but and she was on maternity leave. But she um, did multiple IUIs and did IVF and got pregnant and then lost the baby at 14 weeks. Oh, my gosh. And she was, like, getting ready to go back and do another IVF round when she got pregnant spontaneously. And the only thing she had changed is she had stopped running on the treadmill, like, an hour and a half a day and had started eating lunch. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, like, she was like, yeah, I started eating lunch. Right. And all of a sudden, I started ovulating again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, that's that's great. I'll read this in one more segment um, excerpt from Lauren's book. Yeah. Uh, for males, ages 18 through 22 are the years of peak testosterone, maximum training capacity, and robust recovery power. Meanwhile, the body of the 18 to 22-year-old female is continuing the change into the body of a mother. We may not be focused on reproduction at this age, or maybe at any age, right? But our biology is investing in peak fertility. High circulating estrogen wants a woman's body to be softer to hold more body fat and fluids. The body builds and invests in tissue that has no direct value to sport, such as breast and uterine lining that will shed after making us feel bloated. And our weight will fluctuate on a monthly cycle. These natural shifts in body composition are not immediately compatible with a male standard of steady linear improvement. They also make the idea of an ideal race weight totally absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she just goes on to talk about how she speaks to young female athletes now, you know, and she tell, yeah. and they're, they are surprised to learn that they actually need to, they need this plateau to happen. It's a true rite of passage that should be welcomed. They will never reach their ultimate potential without it. Nobody has told them that the record holders and medal winners are grown-ass women, not girls, all of whom have who have had tough years once upon a time, and their own best years will truly begin in their mid-20s. And for women, it, they really – women peak later in the sport. So women peak in, in their 30s usually versus – and so women do have to go through – you know, women yeah. have to go through puberty and get female, you know, adult women bodies well, let's to look, succeed. Let's look at um, Kira D'Amato. Mm-hmm. She was a standout breakout high school runner athlete who left the sport to go be a mom mm-hmm. and a realtor and decided to just come back as a recreational runner yep. only to set the fucking American record. At 37? Yeah, at th- 36. 30, 37, 36 to 37. And so, I mean, we're talking a, st- I mean, really a standout high school athlete. Like, right. She really was. She was well known um, and left the sport, came back, ran, I think, a debut marathon of 311, which is not absurdly fast but it's I mean it's an amazing debut for a rec for a rec runner only to then start working at running a little bit and really like pivot her entire career to be a professional athlete who didn't turn pro didn't even turn pro until her mid-30s right and then you and then you have the flip side of it of the other another standout high school athlete that People have probably heard of before Kim Mortensen, who had the in 1995 the Foot Locker Cross Country Championships. She held that record till I don't know. So the 1996 um, she ran the the championship um, in 948, 59, and 3200 meter race, and I think that record held till like 2018 or something. And she had to leave the sport pretty much right then, like after high school, due to eating disorders, and she never you know never was able to go and make it pro. And so yeah, you can have these standout athletes who then um, fall victim to, um, to disordered eating and it, yeah. and it ruins their career permanently. I know as an, I know as a coach of, um, high schoolers and, uh, preteen, like, you know, I coach from 10 year olds up through high schoolers and I say to them, I said, this is not your time to be a star. Like if you are looking back at, if you're already at 14, looking back at when you were, like, you're looking the wrong way. Just look forward to when you are. Because, like, don't sports, like, children shouldn't sports specialize. As mm-hmm. adult runners, don't think that the races you're running now are the only ones that you can do. I remember thinking I can only do really perform well in 5Ks. That I, like, 
totally remember, like, I'm not built for the marathon. And now I'm starting to think, actually, I might be built for longer distances oh, yeah. than the marathon. Then even because, Yeah, even longer. You know, like, I... You have that endurance, that uh, I fatigue, do. I just, uh, I resistance. I have fatigue resistance. Durability. Durability. <laughs> and, like, 100%. It, it's not that I'm super fast at the marathon or anything, but I have the ability to just keep freaking going. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I... I think someday, probably like if if we're lucky enough to have kids once the kids are a little bit older, and if we're not lucky enough to have kids, like it might be sooner. Um, I think I will, you know, eventually try to do um, like some more fifty k's, possibly fifty yeah. miler, possibly a hundred k. I don't know about a hundred miler. It mm. seems like a lot, but who knows? That's a who lot, knows? but maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to probably get probably once. I think we, we need to go do the the damn Yeti Creeper Trail. Okay. When you know when it's when it makes sense, it's fifty five k. I'm super in, and for it's that. relatively downhill and flat. It's not like a bunch of ups and downs, so you don't have to worry about the technical um, side yeah. of it. But and then I still want to try so the. FKT for the WNL. Oh my gosh, I do want to try that. 846. Is it still that slow? I think so. Okay. For women. 846 pace, not 846 hours. No, 846 it's per mile. Per mile, yeah. Which is pretty damn fast. We did it not is. even run a marathon that fast. But I do have this kind of like thinking that if I could get back into really good marathon shape, like that might be a possibility because I love the WNL. That like, would be so fun. <laughs> That would be so, so fun. I would love to I do mean, that. I mean, even, even to do it anywhere close to that, even to do like a 915 yeah. would be kind of incredible. <laughs> be so badass. Like, I mean, because you would have to treat an FKT like trying to get that. You would have to treat it like prep preparing for a race. Oh, for sure. Like It like, would have to be our goal. Yeah, race for, for, the for the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, to and to not it. just something to do. No, I would love to just run it from start to finish sometime too, which would be. Kind I know of fun. it's definitely a bucket list to just run it, mm-hmm. and then we can decide whether yeah, would we run it for time? We run it for. I mean, we'll be running it for time either way because we yeah. we because we're not going to be walking it, so it'll be whatever First it is. Time. Yeah, I mean, even if we did and walk a, some, even and if we did, a, you know, thirteen hundred miles, like, it'll likely be a distance PR. Yeah. I mean, so. oh, it definitely would be a distance PR at the time. Like, I'm not going to run oh, yeah. 46 miles before I run 46 miles. Before you run a 50 miler or a, yeah, yeah. no, it'll be, it'll be so fun. I mean, yeah, because I think if I were. Okay. Is this recording? Okay. Oh, yeah, it All is. Right. Okay. So we just had a little pause or some technical difficulties and for some reason we can't play back. So we'll see if there's sound or not. But, oh, so, and we did find out we're actually at episode 29. Okay. Wow. Episode 29. So thank you guys for joining us. We're sorry that there's kind of a little abrupt end and a little pause because we had a random technical difficulty. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that is the universe saying, you guys are done for today and let's move forward. And hopefully we'll and come back with another episode this week or yeah. episode 30. Yeah. Wow. And also go eat. Go yeah. eat. Except for Except Liz, me. Because she's got I, a new surgery. I have to fast. I was so worried because I they're like, your surgery's early afternoon. And I was like, oh. <gasps> no, it's the worst. But it's at 1045. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, my gosh. It would be so bad. So have a wonderful Tuesday. Have an incredible global running day tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, definitely share. If you listen to this podcast, yes. definitely share it in your stories. Tag us. We would love. Yeah. And um. If you can rate us, subscribe, or, you know, send, um, write a little review if you want to, because that helps people find us. There have been some awesome more reviews that people have posted. So thank you guys for the love. And to support the podcast, go to rengallowaygirls.com slash shop. Uh, One of the best ways that you can support the podcast is by shopping Beauty Counter. That's beautycounter.com slash rengallowaygirls. Um, we actually earn commission from sales there, and we love the products. Um, so feel free to reach out if you have questions about what you should get. Um, and have a wonderful, amazing day. Yeah. And go eat a snack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. bye.